Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Red 7, Red 7, Red 7, Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't, what is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here, you ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? I'll get you the ball. I'll get you the ball. I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. I got a whole lot of money, money. yummy yeah. for me. Bottle key, popping that water, man. Jack Yeah, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into 11 personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett. Uh, back to you for another off-season edition of this Kentucky football podcast. We got a special guest today, Liam Cohen is joining the program, Luckett. Uh, the Kentucky offensive coordinator is uh it's fun to just talk ball with them, and we we we're going to touch on a lot of topics with the OC who orchestrated Kentucky's offensive turnaround. But kind of like last week's episode, there, there's just a lot of offseason stuff happening that we have to get to. Um, Todd Graham thinks Hawaii is a third world country because they don't have Dr Pepper in the vending. I didn't machine. even write that on my list, Nick. I mean, that's this is this, <laughs> and I I didn't write the eight thousand other things that have happened in the portal else uh, other places. Yeah. So it, jam-packed episode 11 personnel. Like I told told everybody here a couple weeks ago, this is where we thrive. If you want to <laughs> listen to 11 personnel podcast, you do it between January and July. This is – this. no one else is doing this, all right? This is what we're here for, to give you all the content. Yes, and and, and there's so much of it. We can't even get to all of it during the season. That's why the offseason is fun. Um but we're, we're just gorging we... over here at the buffet. Everybody's left the buffet, but our fat asses are still there. And now it's full, <laughs> full range. So we're just digging in. All right. Oh, and well, Liam Cohen was kind enough to sit down 11 personnel virtual studios with us for about 40 minutes today. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a multitude of topics. Yeah. Um, well, Levis, I think you're going to hear Cohen Rams. like you've never heard him before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a lot of good stuff. Talk about the season, talk about some NFL stuff. What's next? Off season stuff, preview yeah. for next year stuff. A lot of good things here. But Nick, this last week, man, ton of, I mean, stuff was flying off the walls well, from every which direction. The most recent one that we just need to mention um, was just that Mike Stoops is officially right. official. We've brought that up, but he's already recruiting. He was uh, hanging out with Ethan Crisp uh, among tons of other recruits on UK Junior Day over the weekend. Uh, picked a great time to have. Junior Day, 
you got a Super Bowl champ getting honored at Rupp Arena. You bring the Citrus Bowl and the Governor's Cup uh, back to the floor. They got a they got a loud pop uh, from Stoops when they arrived. So uh, a great weekend for that. I mentioned Chris just because like it. I got a hunch he's going to be the first commitment in the class. They've really they've been on him. National yeah. recruit again. They, they, and they've been on him a while, too. You know, he camped last year. He's at the Florida game. So, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But there there might even be more happening in that transfer portal. And, unfortunately, it's not happening for Kentucky. And I think it's because um, of Derby. Kentucky Derby. Because UK, they start the semester to end before the Kentucky Derby. And a lot of other schools, they were still – able to add portal players over the weekend yeah. to be on campus this spring. Uh, but Kentucky's the last day to add classes, I believe was Thursday. So I don't, I don't even think you can, I don't think you can enroll uh, anymore. Yeah, it was either UK. January 12th, wet Wednesday or that Thursday was the last day. Um, add drop final day. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, it's kind of biting them in the rear right here because it's less leverage for them when they're recruiting guys. Um, Javon Baker, Alabama receiver, is set to visit Kentucky. I believe today he's supposed to arrive on campus. Just came off visits to Florida and Ole Miss. He can't get in for the spring. He can get in at those other two places. Yeah. So if it comes down to he wants to be here for spring football, they're going to miss out on him. Um, if he does it, they probably have a really, really good shot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe the next step, figuring out a way to add guys maybe a week late, because what are you really missing your first week of class? Nothing. Syllabus week. <laughs> so I think they could probably figure that out. A lot of these guys are doing online school anyway. Yeah. yeah. But that is the thing. I mean, that is that is hurting them it, right it's, now. It reminds me of the old cost of attendance. Um, remember when that was a big talking point for like, I don't know, an off season or two? But how it could be a recruiting advantage? This is more of a recruiting advantage slash disadvantage than others, uh, because in the process, a cornerback that uh, our boss had mentioned, uh, Amir Speed, I believe from Georgia, mm-hmm. ends up committing to Michigan State. And look at the rivalry; it's on. Like, well, I, you had I, a couple I, Michigan State things. Yeah. Mel Tucker leaves Kentucky off the top twenty-five. Vince Merrill snaps back on Twitter. And then they beat they beat him out for Chris Bogle already this offseason. Right, right. But that was fine because at that time, I don't think Kentucky knew they were getting Jordan Wright back. So you get him back, you would take Wright over Bogle. Wright has been a better player to this point in his college career than Bogle. Yes. But And you're you know, only tied up for a year. Bogle, Amir, if he doesn't turn out, you, you might be stuck with him. Amir Speed looks like – a potential guy to come in, and if you built a guy in a lab to play that boundary quarterback position, Mark Stoops' defense, it would kind of look like a mere speed. 6'2", long arms, can run, has a strong special teams value, has played in the SEC, wasn't great at Georgia, but their scheme would be a lot different. Zone-heavy scheme at Kentucky versus man-heavy scheme at Georgia. He would be able to use his length more in zone areas. He ends up going to Michigan State. Um, so a big loss. And on top of that, Zaw Frazier just said, deuces, I'm going to Conference USA. So he's going to play at UTSA now. Uh, yeah. just So that – I mean, that's – there's a lot going on there, it seems like. That's a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um... So Kentucky now, Nick, you look at cornerback. They got six scholarship players set for next year. Now, good thing all these guys will be 
involved in spring practice. Yes. Both Elijah Reed and Andre Stewart are early in release. Yes. You've got one spot locked down with Carrington Valentine. So, you know, that's a starter somewhere. Right. You just got to figure out elsewhere. Like, huge spring for Andrew Phillips. Mm -hmm. Like, it's Adrian Huey, Maxwell Harrison out of class of 2021. We know pretty much zero about. Nothing. Harrison was a guy I liked this tape out of high school, but he didn't practice with the team all last year. Yeah, it was – I at one point, you know, I got – I had to check in with UK, and the official statement is he is not currently with the team. That was early on in the year. But he was at the bowl game. So, right. so um, whatever – they figured out whatever that was, but it's pretty blatantly obvious they need a guy to come held at corner. Um, you thought Speed might be a guy. Um, and another name Matt mentioned, Makai Blackman, um, Colorado transfer. Colorado, Nick, 21 scholarship players are in the portal. Ooh. Rest in peace, Carl Durrell. I don't know how you're going to survive that. So, anyway, he was a junior college player, graded out well, super senior, has one year of eligibility left, played, I believe, three seasons at Colorado, started a bunch. Um, not the biggest guy. Um, so, He's probably more of a field cornerback. If he comes, you might see Carrington Valentine or Carrington Valentine stay at boundary and Makai Black, Blackman would play um, that field spot. Um, so he's a guy, he, he's played a lot of football. So I don't know like what a spring would do for him as much as maybe a younger guy. So he's a guy, if you can get, you can add him late, but it's still, this is fluid situation. There's a lot of quarterbacks going to the portal now. UCLA had a starter, quality starter just in her. Um, so And then there's going to be more after spring. So you just kind of have to wait and sit back. Um, but it is a little worrisome. They, they haven't addressed it yet. And you're going in the spring. And, like, if Andrew Phillips is not ready to go, you're pretty much you, – you're going to spend the spring where you're just playing really – you have one guy that you know is going to play, but you don't know what, what after that. So it's going to be kind of a weird spring. So they still have to figure that out um, there. So they're they're in a little pickle right now, but there's still time, I think, to correct that. Or if Andre Stewart just wants to be really good right away, maybe that would solve that could a lot help. of issues. Yeah, yeah, that could certainly help a lot. I was kind of worried about in the intermediate, just bodies for spring. Uh, you know, one dude. They got, got six it. there, so they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I guess I had, I forgot about Reed, and I also forgot about Huey. It's like, they only have four corners? Like, one dude gets hurt. Like, there's a lot of running every day in practice. And they uh, added some key walk-ons here today, Nick. Um, yeah. We got a release from Kentucky. It. Yeah. Cole Lanner, receiver out of Boyle County, will be here. Jack Monday, DB. a tight end, Alex and Catholic. Yeah, um, Jackson Schultz, 6'2", 215, defensive back out of Trinity. Go Tigers. <laughs> we'll be here. So, yeah, I mean, that those will help. They'll, like, walk-ons are essential in spring football. Essential. Mm -hmm. They got to fill the spaces there. Um, Kentucky should have about 60-something scholarship players for spring. Yeah, 20 or so walk on 80. That's plenty to get through the practice. So I think they'll be fine from a number standpoint. But yeah, they, cornerback they announced... is all anybody wants to talk about right now. Right, right. Um, you know, and they, they do like talking about receivers as well. You mentioned uh, Javon Baker from Bama earlier. That's a, a name to keep an eye on. Uh, speaking of spring practice, the NCAA changed the rules. When I looked at them, it didn't really sound like it was changing things significant. I mean, ooh, you can't tackle to the ground as last. But I don't know if anybody tackles to the ground in practice ever anyway. It just Outside of scrimmages. the scrimmages, the Saturday scrimmages, I wouldn't imagine yeah. it's too many live periods. Yeah, I mean, like, and they do what? Two, 
they do, uh, you know, the entire spring. So it, it shouldn't affect too much for Kentucky standpoint. Uh, but you know, if you, you might get uh, Danny Cannell out there, AKA panhandle Doug Gottlieb, uh, spouting off about the, uh, the wussification of football or something like that. But those didn't seem too significant. Uh, like what else do we have on our long list of, of off season yeah. developments? Yeah. They rose with out. Um, left tackle Man, that happened since the last show gosh right. yeah Whew. he's out so Kentucky's looking for a left tackle now um, that's another spot in the portal that they're probably gonna have to visit but guys like these left tackles aren't born on trees they're not just good ones aren't just going in the portal like if you're gonna go after one it's gonna be a roll of the dice so really the biggest development in me Nick here is DeAndre Buford what does he look like in the spring him and really um David Wollaball David mm-hmm. Wollaball still young, but can he, those are the two left tackles you got on the roster right now, in my opinion. In my opinion, Jeremy Flax is not a left tackle. He's a right tackle. He's a guard. And then you got, Ke- obviously, Keontae and Nick Hall can play left tackle, but they're true freshmen. Um, Keontae will be here for spring. Yeah. So, really, it's about those guys, I think. Beefert, Wollaball, good one this spring. Can what is What can they give Kentucky? What do they look like? Can they hold up at all? You know, and then – they probably need an insurance play at some point, somebody from the portal, a warm body just to have. Um, Tyler Steen, the guy from Vanderbilt, was a guy maybe thought they could go after, but he was pretty bad at left tackle. He could play right, but I don't know if Kentucky really needs a right tackle. I, so uh, you're just going to have to wait and see. I think they're just waiting for see what happens post-spring well, here. And, and that's, that's my thing, Luckett. Uh, maybe not as much at cornerback, but definitely at left, like at tackle. I want Kentucky to win because, A, you have recruit like, the guys that you mentioned as, like, it's a big spring for, all of them except um, Wallabaugh were four-star recruits. Like, you've recruited well for that position. Wolford loves, loves Wallabaugh because he's a pretty versatile guy. He thinks he can play all five positions. Um, but I, I I think the biggest thing for this spot is, is giving them some time to breathe. You got to think about this. There has not been the opportunity for offensive tackles to get reps with the ones in years, right? I mean, you've had you've had dudes at that position. Yeah, you're pretty locked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the last five years, it's been Kennard, Young, and Rosenthal. Like it's been those three guys. Uh, Nasir Watkins played some, um, but I mean, there is. Uh, I think that this getting those guys reps this spring and then waiting to see what happens because what's going to happen too, and if you look at college campuses everywhere, the waves, the transfer portal waves. So all the people who want to regulate it, they're, they're morons. Like because you, you can't have just one period. People are going to find out. They think that they can go and be starters. They think they can earn a starting position during the spring, and when that concludes. They're going to have conversations with their coach. I mean, their coach tells them, like, listen, we appreciate what you did, but you, you just Jones Jones, a perfect example of this. Ole Miss takes a linebacker, Chance Campbell, who was recruited by DJ Durkin, Ole Miss's defensive coordinator to Maryland. He brings him in to play Jacquez Jones' position. Jacquez Jones sees that, goes through a spring. It's like, I'm probably not going to start here. He comes to Kentucky. He's got a starting Mike linebacker position. Makes 80-something tackles. Is coming back next year. If yeah. he's a, another good year away from getting drafted. So, like, that's just – it. this is a two-way street. 
Um, there does need to be some changes to how we operate via calendar. Need to move back to signing day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can do windows on the portal, but they can't just be – you can't just treat it like NFL free agency and just give it a month. Yeah. Like you, maybe you have to have like a four- to six-week window a couple times per year. Yeah, yeah. This is the time you can enter. Maybe after do it – After the regular season. After, after the regular season and then um, in April or May when <laughs> campus, you know, start wrapping up. But that's just kind of the world we're in. And you got to – you know – um, Dennis Dodd wrote a big piece. I don't know if you read it about the ACC being upset. Oh, he's they're they're all freaking losing. Well, and all this read uh, all this read out loud was guys that don't want to recruit, like teams that don't teams that finish forty and fifty in recruiting rankings, complaining about their <laughs> roster. Like I don't want to. I mean, <laughs> like I don't I don't want to hear it. I, yeah, that's you know. So like this is just the world we're in. And Pat Narduzzi went on the big spiel. I mean, it's just like. Dude, you make four million dollars a year. Yeah, do some extra, do some more work. Yeah, you just kind of have to. You have to. You're gonna make more. You gotta work more. It's just just the job. It's just what it is. And the portal is like it's not. It's not bad for the game. I think in some ways it's good for the game, but it does have its negative side effects. But like Nick, we're now getting quarterbacks on teams and they're playing, which makes the overall game product better. Like Will Levis in Kentucky, perfect example. Ole Miss is probably going to get Jackson Dart, the USC transfer, top 50 recruit. He's going to come otherwise. and start, get the play right away. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel is going to go get to go to Oklahoma. UCF gets John Rice Blumley to replace Gabriel, who's kind of a perfect fit for Gus Malzahn's offense. Yeah. Caleb Williams is going to go to USC, and they're going to be rolling right away, more than likely. So this Auburn messes up, and the portal gets Zach Calzada. They're probably going to stink. So, like, this is a very it, – it's a good thing overall. But these other positions, it can kind of – you know, you got to be careful with your depth. And the NCAA has been slow to address rules mm-hmm. about how, how will you handle if you lose a bunch of guys, if you can only bring certain amount of people in. But it's very important to, like, keep guys happy while you, while you have them there. Um, gone are the days or, like, the junction boy days, the, you know, the recruitment and the de-recruitment. You really have to – your recruitment never stops. you got to keep players content and happy their entire time. The, um, the one thing – say, deuces, I'm out of here. The one thing that the article did bring up that I thought wasn't a bad idea, I forgot which coach it was, was like, hey, um, we got a lot of dudes hurt at the end of the year. Give us more players if we're going to play more games. Yeah, that was our dudes. That was a good – I mean, not, bump it up to 90. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think it's a terrible idea at all. Um, so – but uh, expansion is dead thanks to the ACC. You can blame – I'm blaming some of this on Dabo as well just because Dabo is a – he's a 75-year-old and a 50-year-old's body. That dude doesn't want anything to change. He's as stubborn as a mule. Yeah. From Kentucky's standpoint on that, he's really watching the Texas-Oklahoma, how long that transition takes. Because they're going to stand pat in the divisions now until Texas-Oklahoma get here. Mm-hmm. It sounded like that might be taking longer than normal. And it's just going to be easier to get the SEC championship when they're not in mm-hmm. conference. Because once they come, pod scheduling's coming. I would assume they they might ban divisions. If not, Kentucky's going to be in a loaded, more loaded division. So the window could be now. Like, you want to get to Atlanta, it's now. Like, now's the time to strike. 
So that's going to be something to monitor over the next few years from Kentucky standpoint. They have their window right now. You got to go, got to go grab it. Yeah. Go get it. Um, there's even been updates like since we've gone on, Vince is tweeting about being up in Ohio. He's tagging all of his guys. They're going to be great players. Oh, Kerry Coombs going to Cincinnati. That dude is a dog on the recruiting trail. He's going to be recruiting. He was Cincinnati's Ohio State's defense coordinator. He's a former head coach at Cincinnati Colerain. Oh, I remember He's got this guy. Yeah. White hair, eight trillion ties to Ohio recruiting. He's he was a monster recruiting for Ohio State. He's got so many ties in Ohio. Cincinnati's going to the Big 12. They can sell Big 12 now. Being in a major conference, that's gonna be a more Wait, competition day can, in Ohio. Can we just get Ryan Day the hell out of there? Go to the Bears, okay. Get out of there. Let's break that up. Get Fickle out of Cincinnati. We got to bust up that monopoly. Let's get it back to the good old days when nobody wanted to recruit there. Yeah. Let's so, bring it like back. that, that's just something to monitor. You know, Kentucky, the state has helped a lot. Um, and they're owning, they're getting everybody. And this is a really good class um, in 2023. It's not like superstar power, but there's a lot of like high three star kids that can play. Mm-hmm. And so you can really get a good baseline for your class. They've already got a couple, Caden Mormon, Ty Bryant. Mm-hmm. They've already got a couple in the fold, but there's about nine more of that kind of that same caliber um, that they could get and really make a really good baseline for the class. All right. Well, look at, uh, I'm, I'm feeling how many more do we need to check off our list before we Two get more. To Coach Powerall Asians back safety. Um, that mm-hmm. alleviates, I think the need for a transfer. I think you're looking at Asian mm-hmm. Geiger starting at safety, Todd Dotson potentially rotating in. So you're good there with Vito Tisdale and Joe Williams, probably at nickel. Yep. And then Colin, we got a we got an interesting specialist watch because Colin Goodfell exited the portal. I think the assumption is he's going to get a scholarship. He's at least going to have one for the spring. So I I, I don't know how they're going to shake them all out, but something's going to have to give there. So yeah, I mean, with if you add him and then Ruffalo came out with the team. Carrying the trophy. Sounds like he's going to be back too. And every other person out there was a guy, a player coming back next season. Yeah. So it sounds so, like he maybe has an extra year of eligibility. He would be on scholarship. So you're looking at I don't I don't know how he does potential scholarship he, kickers next year. I feel like Ruffalo has been on campus for seven years. He he's as old as Max Duffy at this point. Um, I have heard though Jackson Smith. Keep an eye on him as a as a punter. Maybe not as a kicker as a punter. So. He did both at Boyle County, but that could maybe be the future at that spot where, okay, we can put a Band-Aid on this a little bit longer and then open it up because they have had a lot of specialists in that room and maybe too many scholarships going towards it. So The numbers always work themselves out. They really do. It's amazing. So I wouldn't worry worry too much about it, but that's a lot of specialists on scholarship right now. So that's something to keep in mind. And then finally, Luke Fortner, Senior Bowl. Yeah, um, that's big. So – Give Kentucky another guy at the Senior Bowl. He'll have a big chance to improve his stock along with Darren Kennard, Luke Fortner, Josh Pascal, and Yusuf Corker. Not too sure. I think it's time to get to Cohen, Nick. Yeah. Um, I, I, y'all got to listen to this jabber a little bit. Now we're going to hit a break and talk to the Kentucky offensive coordinator that improved Kentucky's offense exponentially in his first season at Kentucky. Cats were – Ranked in the hundreds in red zone, touchdown scoring percentage, third down percentage, pass offense, 
And in some of those categories, jumped all the way up into the top 10 under Cohen's tutelage. Now hear from the man himself, Kentucky Offensive Coordinator, Liam Cohen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Nick Rouse and Adam Luckett now happy to be joined on 11 personnel by Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. Just wrapped up a 10-win season for the Cats and a victory down in the Citrus Bowl. And then you follow that up with just a beatdown of your old team, the Rams. Put it on the Cardinals. That, that's got to be fun to watch from afar. It was, you know, it was an unbelievable season and, you know, just to be in Lexington from our first year as a family and uh, the support that we got from the community and, and obviously from the, from the school and, and, and the fan base was, was something obviously extremely new to us and, and it was really fun to be a part of and um, to be a part of some of the football games that we won and, and, and that whole ride was amazing and um, yeah, really excited for the Rams, you know, that was uh, that was a big win in a, in, in a, in a big way. And I know that's, that's a division opponent that you always want to, you know, play your best against. And the, they've had the, the, the Cardinals number now for a few years. And um, it was really fun to watch those guys play like that and be able to go watch them this weekend. Well, I, I want, and we're obviously going to talk a lot this season, but I got to ask some NFL questions. So it is Tuesday at 11 AM. Let's, let's just say this is your normal. We'll, we'll We'll act like this is a year ago. What would your what would you be doing on Tuesday after a wild card win to get ready for the divisional round? So you know that being said, because they're a little bit on a short week, right? You know, mm-hmm. because they played Monday night and now they have to play Sunday evening. Um, so a little bit of a short week. So really, um, it's hard because you you know you you get such a late jump on the next opponent even so they have to get all the breakdowns of tampa um i don't think they played tampa this season did they um so they're breaking down the entire season uh before the game you have to start to break down your possible opponents right and then you don't want to do a ton of unnecessary work either so um i know i texted those guys 
you know, yesterday or last night and they were grind they were grinding last night. You know, they were really getting after them because they're a little bit behind. And um, you know, on a positive note though, they do know the opponent a little bit. It's not like um, you know, I mean, Tampa does some really good things on both sides of the ball, but um, we've played, they played them last year, you know, a little familiarity with the systems. And, um, you know, I think this, this kind of game is going to be about Jimmy's and Joe's X, you know, not as much X's and O's, you know, the Tampa's got really good players. Rams got really good players and those guys mm-hmm. need to show up, but today would be on a typical week. The players wouldn't be in the building mm-hmm. coaches staff day to really kind of work on, the game plan, work on the opponent scout, start to get things ready for tomorrow. But um, I'm not sure that they're on the same exact schedule this week. Right, right. Uh, I think it's funny when we, when, in our line of work, there's a lot of like, oh, wow, the, the NFL is doing what colleges are doing. And, you, you know, you saw some of the RPO stuff with Kaepernick right. and Harbaugh, and, and you're still seeing more quarterback run. The new thing that's big in the NFL, I'm curious your take on it, the aggressiveness on fourth down. Staley yeah. for the Chargers is is all about it. Um, he, he's kind of the captain of it, but I think league-wide. More yeah, he was with Brandon Staley last year. Yeah. 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 So do, do you think that that's something, like, is that a wise direction to go in, and do you think that that's going to come down to college at all? I – you know, it's funny that you say that back in 2018, you guys could probably reference the game, but 2018, the year we went to the Super Bowl, we, we were on the road at Seattle. Um, I think it was like November 5th or something like that, but um, we were on the road at Seattle. I think we were up by two, three, something like that at the end of the game. And we had the ball on our own. I don't know. I want to say minus. 38, 40, like right in that, really probably the 40 right there. And um, it was fourth and one and, and we went for it. And um, everybody on the headset. So Sean, we call timeout. Sean's asking everybody on the headset, you know, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Everybody on offense was like, pun it, you know, pun it. Let like pin them, make them go. We have the best punter in the NFL, like make them go. But that's Russell Wilson on the other side. And we hadn't stopped them all game. And I remember he asked Wade Phillips, and I thought this was like such a great kind of moment in coaching was he asked Wade Phillips and he goes, Wade, what do you think? And he said, go for it. You know, go for it. We can't, we haven't stopped them. We haven't like who's on the other side of the ball. Like he could put his pride aside in that moment and say like, no, dude, like I need your help. Like, go for it. I don't feel great about stopping them. But mind you, if we would have get stopped on that, all they need is like five yards for a field goal. And um, we went for it and, and uh, got it. And it was like the most unbelievable call I've seen because everybody except for Wade said punt it. And that's just a gut that was not analytics. That was not, had nothing to do with anything besides Sean and Wade having like going with their gut. Um, so I do think that some of those things will come down to the college level. I, I mean, I just think that, um, you know, when you have people in those situations, sometimes, you know, like Iowa in the game, like mm-hmm. what do they know? I mean, they go for and get the yard, the game's over. Yeah. But instead, I think some of it too, like you mentioned personnel, they, they went for it earlier in the game and 
yeah bully kind of blew it up and i think that was kind of in the back of their totally. their minds yeah. there um, yeah i think uh like, like i think it. the analytics is kind of obviously it's an important tool you should use it it's a resource but it's not everything you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's game feel sometimes it's opponent sometimes you catch yourself in a shootout like you all were in against tennessee and at the half, you're thinking, all right, we need to score here, get the ball right. back, comes back and bites you in the ass a little bit. So, I mean, it's never – there's never a – these are not easy answers, and you've got to make them in what – you want. what do you have to make that decision in, Liam, without a timeout? Ten seconds? Ten eight seconds. seconds? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's not – there's not there's never a right answer, but these are how – like a lot of games are won with these little decisions. I know, because, like, you referenced the Tennessee game, I mean – I thought that was the right decision that we had. We had we we drop a third down, like you know, Will puts it behind Wandell on third down. We go for it on fourth and four. We put it, you know, Wandell usually makes that play on the out route. They zero blitzed us. We get it out to the outbreaker, and Wandell's just a little bit outside of his stretch. We don't get it, and they go three plays and kick a field goal, which ended up being the difference in the game. Right, like. You have, but but what going for it in those situations, like you know, in the grand scheme of things, did that cost us that game? I don't know, but it definitely had an impact, right? But at least you can now go to your 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 program and your team. Hey, look, guys, you know, we for us to take the next step as an organization, for us to take the next step as an offense, we need to finish there. We need to execute that situation for us to take the next step as a team and close people out. And, and so at least there's coaching moments that can come from those situations that ultimately can help and benefit your team down the road, maybe not in the short term. <laughs> so there was a – I was down on the field there at the end of the Citrus Bowl, and I know I'm, I'm not normally there after games to see the kind of reaction on the sideline, but you were ecstatic. <laughs> like there, there was a lot of emotion between definitely the guys, Woodward, I mean – where did that that emotion come from after the win? I think it really came from some of the frustrations throughout the game, you know, and some of the things that, I, you know, we had ready to go and, like, called. We just didn't protect it. So there was, you know, some issues, like, of, you know, oh, man, we've got it. It's wide open. Sack. So, like, the levels of emotion that can, you know, obviously go uh, – throughout a football game and some of the frustrations of um, personnel that we had, then we weren't able to play with and some things that, cause you know, that if you, we had maybe a few of those pieces and um, maybe some things play out differently in that football game, but also really the end of the game because of how we finished, you know, I, I didn't care. I really did not care and have not cared since about the stats of that game, except for the fact that we scored in a two minute drive to, to put us in a position to win the game. You know, it was a little bit different because we, we had a little bit more time than a true two minute drill, um, which was nice. You know, it wasn't as crazy. Um, It wasn't as crazy, but um, you know, it, it was the fact that we executed in that situation where we had not done a great job of executing in those situations throughout the season. Um, but, and, and really just for, for Wandell, you know, to, 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 I knew, yeah, I knew he was gone, you know, but I was so happy for him and, and 
for the guys. I mean, we had some players playing in that game, a receiver that hadn't played a ton of snaps throughout the season. And um, Rasan Lewis to make that block, you know, just little things like that that just kind of, it's like, oh my goodness, this, uh, it was the best way to win a game, in my opinion. I, I, I would have rather that over 50 points, to be honest. Yeah, it was seemed just, I mean, it was kind of just, y'all just gutted it out. Um, yeah. Under Stoops, even before you've been here, they just, they find ways to win games like that. Yeah. You know, they don't win them all, but there's one or two a year where you're just like, man, like 2018 Missouri, Nick, they don't do anything on offense all day. They get a punt return touchdown. Defense gets nine three and outs in a row, and they go and score on an untimed down at the end. They hadn't passed it all day. They go past it 70 yards. It's just like, <laughs> like what is this sport sometimes? Like, this is freaking nuts. But they just – I think that's just kind of a – I don't know. It's a team-building kind of culture kind of program. Where this is like – this is a standard. This is – you know, the game's not over. We fight to the end. And then if you keep playing every play, eventually something good will happen. And it kind of felt like – that was that was for y'all. Not much was going for y'all that game. You mentioned protection issues, defense didn't have hardly any bodies, and you know, found a way in the end. That that is a hundred percent what. That's a great way of uh, putting it because it was so just hard. You know, it was a hard win because of a lot of reasons, and um, you get so I, I I you know got wrapped up in the whole. You know, there was after the Florida game, I wasn't the happiest human being in the world. And um, it's really difficult to live your life as a coach that way. And, um, you know, a lot of guys that I talked to throughout the season was it's like, man, you can't like you have to enjoy wins no matter what, like no matter what. And it's hard when you feel like your side or your, you know, who you're responsible for did not maybe do their job and, and do our job as, as an offense. But it was gratifying in that way that we were the ones that, you know, on offense, we went down the field and scored and the defense, then we played, you know, complimentary football, which when we do, we play complimentary football, we're pretty good. You, you mentioned to the, you know, talking about the kind of culture of the team. <laughs> I don't, I, I think that's a concept that gets kind of coachy, but it's hard to describe. What's it like looking at this team on paper when you're, you're trying to get the job, you're trying to convince Coach Stoops that you're the right fit, what's the difference between looking from afar and then you show up in the spring and, and these are the guys that that you're going to be working with, um, you know, for, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, it, it, it was obviously, you know, your eyes have to adjust, you know, like your eyes have to adjust when you come from the NFL to college and then same thing with high school recruiting. Like your eyes have to then adjust again to, well, you know, when I first got here, I was saying no to everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, heard I watched, I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Specifically the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But your eyes have to adjust and you, and you have to start to realize that these guys aren't in the NFL right now, and but they could be at some point. And it's on us to develop them. They're not going to be ready-made. Um, and that's something that I've taken some time to get used to. But also as you mentioned, like the fiber of the team, you know, like we don't crush these kids in the off season. Like we do not grind them. We work them. Don't get me wrong. Like they work, but it's not, you know, mat drills all winter, get them up at 6am, 
working them, they're puking and like they work hard, but they work smart. And our kids play their tails off. And I've been in programs and organizations where you just absolutely grind them and they don't want to play hard for you and they don't want to play uh, all the time. But when our kids, like when we blow the whistle for either practice or a game, our kids go hard. They go really hard. And that's something you couldn't really, I couldn't tell from afar until I got here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm play hard on film, but you're not around it every day. So like the culture, you know, of the whole organization and, and of the team is something that I think is, is like you mentioned, it's not just coach talk because you see it when we, you turn the film on our kids play their tails off and you can't say that about every team. You mentioned something. I'm, I'm going to pass the, the baton a little bit off the lock after this one, but you mentioned something about, you know, how your eyes have to adjust. What, what did your eyes see in Will Levis? that you really liked and, and, and what about him really grew throughout the season that really developed that? I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe you didn't expect right off the bat. Yeah. I think um, I remembered him from high school and I remembered what he looked like stature wise size. And then, um, you know, really like when that video came out of him throwing the football, like in that indoor facility in Massachusetts that I know where that is. Um, you know, I'm like, there's not a lot of guys that throw the football like this in the country. Like there's just not. And, um, you know, I'm like, and then I watched the Nebraska game a lot. Like I didn't care to watch many of the other ones because they didn't have a chance. And when you don't have a chance, like, I mean, you're going to make a mistake. You can get pulled. Like I'm not watching that crap. Like mm-hmm. not the way I coach and not what I believe in. So I'm not going to watch that. And I watched the game that he actually had a chance to be the guy and, and stick with it. And that was Nebraska and let him back. They just didn't finish at the end. And he makes a couple unbelievable throws in that game to put them in a position to win. And so I really just based off, you know, all that. And the fact that a kid was graduating from Penn state in three years, I know he's smart. So those are really the factors that went into it. And, um, then you get around him and you get him in the building. And um, I mean, really we put him with the threes for like the first like six days of training camp or whatever it was. And to be honest with you, it wasn't even close after a day. It wasn't even close. Yeah. But we were, it, me and Nick were out there and I think I turned to him. I said, it's just, the ball's just different coming out of his hand. It's not, it just sounds different, looks different. And then he just had, I don't know, like a, just, an aura about him like not a cockiness just he looked like a starting quarterback I guess is the best way to put it I don't I don't really know what else to say yeah he carries himself the right way I mean I knew though I mean it's tough to say I guess but I knew he was gonna play out this way the whole time it was just we wanted the right way and have the players be the ones that were like coach like let's go like when are we gonna stop playing games like get him up here like get him with the ones I mean, he wasn't even taking reps with the twos, you know? I mean, he was with the threes on the other field with true freshmen running seven on seven. So nobody could say, well, oh, he was handpicked by Cohen and they just started him right away. Nah, dude, like that kid, that kid took the whole job and dominated it. And it wasn't even close. So, you know, I think that that was what helped the process that it wasn't close and that he truly – just played at a completely different level than everybody else. And 
that somewhat in a lot of ways carried over into some games. And as the season got, got going, he got better and better. And there was a couple of hiccups throughout the way, but you know, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of things to work off of this season, specifically us ending the year that way on offense. I feel like just gives us some momentum specifically at the quarterback position moving forward. Did you, did you know you were getting a kamikaze runner? from that quarterback yeah. position. I mean, I think I, that was probably, you know, you hear you, you want to run wildcat um, and we hear a running quarterback in high school, but you see that in college and it doesn't really play out like that. They're not running behind their pads. They're not running through people. I um, mean, then it was like we had a Kentucky had a tight end playing quarterback sometimes running the football. Right. Right. And just no. putting his body on the line. I mean, the Missouri I know they had game to make it cringe over there on the sideline. Yeah, when he it, lowered his shoulder against uh, was Barton. I mean, even against Georgia, he was down there sticking his nose in there, and I'm like, ooh, be careful there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he trucks the linebacker in Missouri, I mean, it's like yeah. then the LSU run where he's carrying the guy on his back for like 12 yards. I mean, it's just uh, I knew that's what he was at times comfortable doing, but I was a little bit concerned about, okay, you did it in the Big Ten – he was he would get those hard yards at, at Penn State, but he also, um, you know, a little bit different dudes now in the SEC, mm-hmm. and so he did it every week against the SEC. And there was games that we didn't make running the quarterback as much of a priority, just based on more so scheme and also to keep him healthy in some ways. Um, and but when we did cut him loose, it was like, you know, he just. It's it's a big part of the game in college that I was, you know, not in in the National Football League. And, and it's a huge aspect of why we were successful on third down this year was his ability to move the chains. And, and that's a huge, huge thing, I think, moving forward, specifically in recruiting this position. You know, can the kid extend plays? That's all. You don't need to be a true dual threat, but can he extend plays and do things outside of the scheme sometimes like that's that's important and he's i trust like every time we call third and four to six that he's going to make either the right decision with the ball or he's going to go get a first down Mm -hmm. you mentioned third down red zone opening opening games Mm -hmm. you scored a touchdown in your first two possessions on everybody except mississippi state and georgia right a lot of games started with an opening drive touchdown was that something you told Mark in the job interview you were going to do, or was that just how? I mean, I guess uh, what led to that success, um, and then how you know I know that's your goal every game. Are we, we get the ball, we're going to go score, but how like sustainable is that game by game, or was it just y'all just getting in a good rhythm to start games? Yeah, there there's times that I scripted like the top plays, but like you don't stay on that script the whole time. You know, I mean, you, you, it's the top opening script is more so in my opinion, like what I've done throughout the season, what we did as a staff was basically like pick our top, what we thought is like our top 10 to 12 plays in the game plan and like try to script it. Like, okay, if I'm going to open up with a run to Chris, then the next, if when I'm throwing, it's going to Wanda. Then I'm going to get Josh a touch. Then I want to get Rig a touch. Then I want to get, you know, Smoke a touch. Like, try to mix up the touches throughout the drives a little bit. Um, so there was games that, like, I had, like, a script of 10 to 12 plays that I stayed on unless we got the third down. But, like, Iowa, 
I didn't come up with that script or top plays until the morning of the game and then just kind of put them on on my call sheet and then just called it like I used it as a reference, if you will. Um, So, you know, it's just I think it's a little bit I think we do a nice job as a staff of giving people early in the game, maybe uh, some different things you know, maybe like a few different looks, formations, motion shifts um, to come out so that we're not just lining up in our first drive of the game and essentially running plays that you've seen on film the last four weeks. You know, you might see that play, but it's going to be out of a different formation, personnel grouping, motion or shift. And um, I think that that kind of speaks to some of the creativity on staff that we have and some of the guys that have come up with some, you know, help come up with the game plan and, the guys executing it at a high level, but yeah, I was well, like eight to 13. We f- did the first scored on the first drive. Yeah. it sounds right. And then the last, and then Mississippi state and Georgia were the only two who didn't score on the first two possessions. So, um, you know, and, and I think our kids played with confidence this year. I mean, like whenever we struggled, it was, uh, you know, I kind of put it on me and, you know, a lot, a few things against Georgia, we just didn't throw and catch in a couple instances, but I think it's sustainable. I hope it's sustainable. <laughs> and and it helps when you've got Will coming back. You've got Chris Rodriguez coming back. Um, and I think that might be another player, too, that you don't truly realize his skill until you see him going through piles. How, how can he develop? What's, yep. what's, what, what are the boxes he needs to check as a senior in 2022? I mean, if he just if he plays the way he played the last four weeks of the season, then I think he's on it on the right track. I mean, if you really look, go go back and look at, I mean, what was his last fumble was New Mexico State, right? So he fumbled against New Mexico State on the three. Mm-hmm. He played fair. I think he had over a hundred, but it, we were kind of throwing the ball that game. It wasn't really a run the ball type game, right? Right. Uh, and then you just look at the way he kind of dominated the Louisville game and, and, you know, the Tennessee game, he played his tail off. I mean, the, the last four to five weeks of the season, his preparation, the way he practiced, the way he approached everything was the mindset that Chris Rodriguez needs to have every single week. And if he does that and he plays and runs as hard as he ran, um, at times this season that the sky's the limit for the kid. And, and um, as you mentioned, he, it is difficult to gauge him unless you see him live because like in practice, you're just like, he's getting tagged off and he's not the type of guy that's really going to make you miss. Mm-hmm. So in practice, you're like, man, that was a gash. How, like, how are we only getting four, six yards out of that run? <laughs> like that should go for 40 and you don't see it because he, I mean, this kid never gets tackled by a lot of scrimmage. So the success on third down that we had is directly equated to him and running the football successfully on first and second down because we're in so many more manageable third downs. I mean, when you just when you're in second and six, second and five, second and four, you're just it's so much easier to call plays, right? And he just does such a good job of keeping us ahead of the chains and ahead, you know, and just in good, you know, good position to call plays. So um, he's sneaky that way, you know, he's sneaky that way in terms of the way he runs the football. And um, I mean, there was times the Iowa game I'm looking at, I'm like, I should just hand the ball off to this kid like 20 more times, you know, 
just stupid the way he was running and the way he was playing. And we weren't really blocking too many people either. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris is back. Will's back. Wandell, as you mentioned, he's not back. And yeah. I feel like we do this offseason talk every single year. What's Kentucky going to do at receiver? And, like, and, and some of it is uh, a little bit of just being snake bit. Um, but you guys have recruited your tails off at that position. We just we haven't seen a lot of them. I, I, I really wanted Chauncey to be able to hold on to that last pass and that, that one drive because that, that's a good momentum builder. But, but what do you like about some of those guys that were – threes running with will at the start of the season and kind of started showing their faces a little bit more down the stretch you know a few of those like as you mentioned you know chauncey i would have loved to see him make that play more for him not for really for us like for him and for his confidence and and stuff moving forward for will to have confidence in him i think that um those guys you know they they need this spring is going to be huge this winter and spring is is big for them to step up because um you know, they've now been in the system for a spring, specifically like Chauncey and those guys that have been here, like you speak to young guys, Tay-Tay, Demarcus Harris, um, you know, Cleveland Thomas coming back, Rasan Lewis, Christian Lewis a little bit different because he's a true, you know, more of a true freshman. But um, those guys need to prove it this spring. Like they need to prove that they can make plays and that they can get trusted to make plays um, from Will. You know, it's that's to me has got to be the, the 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 vote of confidence needs to come from him, and um, I, I believe though that those guys will have will make some plays this spring, and I think because also I think at times that you know Wandell's success might have you know not hindered some of their development, but I was throwing the, we we're throwing the ball to Wandell and Josh, <laughs> and that wasn't really a secret, and um, it wasn't a secret in the building either. And they, the kids still worked. They still worked. They still worked. And they weren't getting a lot of targets and production. Um, but I do believe that these guys will take this spring. You can already tell that their mindset, as much as they loved Wandell and Josh, and they learned a lot from those guys, I think that they're ready to show what they can do and, and, and get some of that chemistry. And, and if at the end of spring, you know, somebody hasn't emerged – then we, we have to look elsewhere at that time. But I, I'm excited to see them um, hopefully make some plays this spring and, and show what they can do. And what, what can a guy, we'll, yeah, go uh, ahead. I was just going to say, a guy that we've talked about a lot, Luckett, that's coming you're asking, back. You're asking my question. <laughs> you read my mind. This is what co-hosts do on podcast. Keaton Upshaw. Okay, um, yep. That was obviously a big talking point. Um, for us, um, yep. people have seen him, kind of seen his skill set, got a lot of people excited, didn't mm-hmm. have him last year. How big of an addition will that be? Now you kind of look in that tight end room is, you know, you got a lot of guys that look like they could be players over there. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was excited about Keaton from the spring, you know, in the spring when I was able to work, we were able to work together and before he got banged up. And what's sad, you know, this past summer, I thought he was having one of the best summers out of anybody in the building. Um, now we couldn't watch him with a football, but in the weight room, when we would do some of our football, you know, individuals without, you know, without a ball and just seeing these guys move around and learning the system, I thought he was taking a big step, um, before he got injured. So I was really bummed for Keaton that that happened. And, um, but I was really pleased with Justin Rigg this year and, 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 and Bates and obviously Cummings, 
being somebody that I think is going to step up. And so I think, like you mentioned, the room is very strong. I mean, if you look at with Bates coming back, Keaton, Isaiah Cummings, and uh, Dingle, I mean, I think Dingle is going to be a good player too. So I'm excited about seeing what Keaton can do. It's just he's a little bit behind from you know mentally right now because he just – you know, lost a lot of those reps. So this will be huge for him. This winter will be huge. This spring will be huge for his de development. And um, I am excited about that room. It could be a really dynamic room. Yeah. And to go back to the NFL talk, I feel like the, the, for some reason, fullbacks are now a, a new thing. Uh, yeah. You know, Kyle and juice check. They, nice. Is, can, can you do, do, is that kind of how you envision the tight end position being this sort of hybrid fullback tight end that can do a little bit of everything? I would love, you would love one. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, I coached against in college. He was at Harvard. I was at Brown. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk was a wildcat quarterback. He would go out to slot. He would play running back. He'd play tight end. Like he was a different athlete than anybody else on the field in the Ivy league. And he's a little bit different because He's not true tight end length, but has enough length to do some of those things when he does need to play maybe like off the ball in that hip position. But when he is truly at a, I mean, he can play everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'd love, you know, for that hybrid type tight end slot. You know, it's what we kind of have seen, you know, try to see from Isaiah Cummings, right? Like motion him around wrap them around on lead blocks, but it's not like ISO lead blocks, you know, it's, it's not as hard downhill and then be able to split him out, maneuver him a little bit to try to get him some targets, which we, you know, need to, I mean, I'm really excited about Isaiah this spring, you know, really moving forward. So yeah, I'd love to be able to get that position sort of tied in that way, but I don't really envision us ever truly lining up in the eye and running the ball like right down your throat. It's just not really my philosophy, but I do. If you had somebody that could help you that way, I would love to use that position. There, I know we don't get eye backs, but we do get two backs. There, there yeah. was a, there was some split backs this yeah. year. And uh, I know Jaton missed some time at the beginning of the year. So that kind of stunted his growth, but you, you went to him a lot towards yeah. the end of the year. What, what, how is he different than Chris and what does he bring you bring the offense well he brings somebody I, I know I can trust you know I know I can trust Jatan I know he's going to catch the football I know he's going to run and run hard and be in the right spot and not make you know not line up wrong or do the wrong thing he's very detail oriented like when he practices he practices with a purpose and with an intent to get better every single rep um I just – he was one of my favorites coming out of spring. I mean, in terms of just, like, really excited about what he could do for our offense. Then he got, you know, hurt, tied up with that whole deal over there off campus. So, you know, it was just a lot of time that he missed. Um, so to get him back and to get some of the production that we did get out of him, you know, I, that production, honestly, is um, very down from what I expected. But he also missed a lot of time, and it wasn't really – his time smoke earned what he had. And um, so it was hard to get three backs involved, right? It's easy to kind of get two guys going, but to get three is difficult. And um, I'm excited about Jatan. This is a big off season for him. And, um, you know, I think that he can really be dynamic for us in some different ways, especially if he kind of works on his speed and gets a little bit faster.
Now, last one, I think we'll get you out of here, Liam. Just having your QB1 set in stone, mm-hmm. winter workouts, spring workouts, summer throwing sessions in the fall camp. Just how, how big is that for you? I mean, this time last year, it was just, I mean, you were brand new. You all have kind of a your foundation in place. You got your guy behind center. You got some parts you still need to figure out, but you got that guy. How important will that be for your all kind of development yeah. through the offseason and into the season? It's like having one of your, you know, it's like getting a big, you know, recruit. It's like signing a big recruit, you know I mean? It's to get him back um, and have him be back is huge. I mean, just really just our offense, like what was half, what was nice from, you know, for me to see kind of towards like bowl prep going into it, things like that was you finally saw, like we were just calling plays, right? Like it wasn't scripted really. We were just calling plays a lot in bowl prep practices and, the kids just heard it lined up, like no issues were executed, some nuances of things. Like you could start to see the system get like, okay, it's starting to click for some guys. Right. And um, to have him and the chemistry that he gives us and brings and the leadership and the knowledge of the system, it's huge. It's huge, especially with the departure of Fortner and some of those guys up front met from a mental standpoint. Um, Will's going to, you know, need to take the next step um, from a mental standpoint, but it's huge. I mean, it's really big to just for the offseason workouts, for the guys that are going to set up the throwing sessions. Like these things last year, I had to say to Joey Bo, like everybody in fairness, like, hey, guys, you, you know, this is on you guys to handle. Like I can't be a part of it because I can't organize throwing sessions as a coach. But like we had to facilitate and like, hey, guys, like this is how you lead essentially like this is how you guys need to essentially get guys to you need to be the nucleus right you know whether it's watching film whether it's socially whether it's football whatever it is well now the guy that everybody looks to is back and to hold that all together is huge and um it's only going to help his growth and his maturation throughout this process to be more comfortable you know i mean he should be calling this offense when it comes training camp time like naturally like very easy he should be able to like call a two-minute drill on his own he should be able to call some plays and feel comfortable like that's what i'd ideally like to do is you know in practice in two minute drills then you know training camp or whatever like third downs like dude you call it like call your favorite play like see how it goes you know like see if you can dial something up because the more he can understand that the why and the ins and outs of the system the better off we'll be Awesome. Awesome. Well, Liam, we, we appreciate you hanging out with us. I know, uh, even though it's uh, the off season, there's, there's never an off season. Um, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about that. 20, 2024 quarterback calling me at 1030 last night. So it does not. No. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, we'll let you get back to the recruiting trail, get back to, to your, to your baby boy. I know it's, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, that you want to talk about a crazy year <laughs> you lived it man you lived it insane insane but it's been awesome so um really excited about it so it's been good all right well liam we appreciate it and uh, i guess we'll be seeing you just uh what six weeks from spring practice or something it'll be here before you know it yeah let's go i appreciate you guys having me on seriously it's been great that conversation with liam Combs is brought to you by our good friends at prize picks prize picks it's your way to play anyway with parlays. Simply put, 
you go download the Prospects app on your app store or visit them at prospects.com. Use the promo code PERSONNEL and you will double your deposit up to $100. You pick your players, you pick over and under, you make your bet. This weekend, I cashed in big. Didn't like the Dallas 49ers line. It was too stinky. So I played prospects. Went under on Jimmy G passing yards. Went over on Tony Pollard receptions. And over one half touchdowns for Debo Samuel. They didn't all hit. I got a push for Pollard. But that was still a win with prospects. They're handing out winners left and right throughout the NFL playoffs. All the way to the Super Bowl. But it's just not... On the NFL playoffs, too. They got action on college basketball, NBA basketball, and so much more. Use the code PERSONNEL at checkout to double your deposit up to $100 on prize picks. Look, that was great hearing from Liam. He, uh, yeah, I think there's uh, the one thing that's nice, uh, kind of uh, an unintended consequence of the COVID era is we're much more comfortable just talking on Zoom with people now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it even if it's reporters and 20 people in one versus just him hanging out, it, it was good to see him kind of let his hair down a little bit, just talk ball and not uh, like not everything was packaged up all nice and tidy, a nice little snappy quote for you. Like he just got to be honest. And I, and I appreciated of all the sentiments, just how, you know, he's he, obviously he's going to like if people are talking nice about him, but a lot of it he puts on his players and especially Will Levis, um, where, you know, he said, Hey, I want this dude to be able to call plays and B, these receivers, mm. they don't have to earn my trust. They have to, they have to earn Will's trust, and Will's respect. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, I think just the Will Levis recruiting process was pretty interesting and in learning about how he got into camp and how they kind of handled that. Cause there was a lot of folks out there saying that this is going to be unfair. He's just going to be handed this job, you know, and all that. So they kind of walked through how he handled that, which was, you know, even though he knew kind of, but they wanted to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. The open script stuff. Can I just say too, that yeah, I love, um, I love that. And when that video came out of Levis throwing that indoor and we all were just going good. I'm glad that like we weren't alone, <laughs> you know, like that sometimes it doesn't like, no, just a, an awesome, like it's not rocket science. Sometimes it's pretty easy <laughs> when you can hear the ball coming out of his hand. It sounds like it's coming out of a gun. Just yeah. foo, foo. I mean, <laughs> it's just, um, people ask me, I think what I've been asked, like, what's it like when high school, who are like the like position can't tell. And I'm usually like, it's usually like defensive tackles. Like those are the easy ones to tell. Are they big? Are they fast? Do they move bodies? Do, do they get go off backwards the when they hit them? Yeah. yeah. Do they look? Yeah. Those are like the easy one, like the indies, the no doubters. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was some no doubt kind of stuff for Levis. I mean, he just, he's got an intriguing skill set, arm, hashtag arm talent. And then you kind of got some more stuff with him um, that I think was unexpected, like the running ability, um, just kind of his leadership and all that. And then uh, I think opening script, Mm -hmm. um, he thinks it is sustainable. And I think that's good to hear. How Kentucky wants to win gets a lot easier when you can get early leads. You can set – because if you get early lead, you set the terms, the tempo that you dictate the 
the playing style of the game. And when Kentucky gets teams and they're kind of playing style, they're winning the game more often than not. If they catch in that. I think the reason why it can be sustainable too, like it is that when he shared his process, it's not like he has these 10 plays and by God, we're running these 10 plays, you know, it's like, all right, we've ran these a lot this week. I feel good about these. Now let's go. He, he said the Iowa ones. He just it was the day of. That's that was what he had as his reference sheet. It wasn't like a this is what we have to do. And when you're able to be dynamic in your play calling and you're not so attached to doing things a certain way, um, then I think it allows you to take what the defense is giving you mm-hmm. uh, when when you finally go out there and actually see them between the lines. Yeah, no, zero doubt. Um, the whole. Um, the fourth down, the aggressive, going for it, going not. I think that was very eye-opening. You kind of see how they see it over there, how these are not easy decisions, you know, because you got to make them in eight, ten seconds usually. I do wonder if Staley, though, is just like those conversations don't even have it. Just every time, we're going for it, damn it. <laughs> there's, um, there's a lot of people that are talking out on Staley that I didn't really want to push Liam on it, but that, like he's kind of – Got smartest man in the room syndrome um, <laughs> and all that. So, yeah, because there's times when he, like, he doesn't really play feel, uh, which I guess long-term, if you play it like that, it should work out for you in your favor. Um, but you're going to you're gonna get the uh, the heat when it doesn't work. And then uh, Keaton up, the Keaton Upshaw thing I thought was really – like he said he had one of the best summers. Mm-hmm. last year and if you go back and look at some of the levis tapes he posted levis posted he was always throwing to keaton upshaw keaton upshaw was on the screen so getting him back and it sounded like he's going to be full go for the spring that's going to be big i think mm-hmm. for the offense because he can do a lot of, a lot of things and you add a year of development for his isaiah cummings those are kind of swiss army nice for formationally that you can utilize in a lot of different ways, and you can take um, advantage of defensive structures. If they're getting in base or they're in nickel, you can do some different stuff with them. So I think that's something to be excited about. Skill talent in general. I know they have questions at receiver, um, but they really like Chris Rodriguez, really like Jatah McClain. There's some guys there. I think Tavian Robinson, we really didn't get the chance to ask get too much about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some guys there, and then you got the quarterback leading it all. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to be excited offensively. Yeah, and uh, especially those comments on McLean, I thought pretty telling. Yeah, 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 pretty telling. Um, well, look it. We should go right about this, huh? What do you say? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I hope you all enjoy that. We don't do interviews a lot when we do them on here. We want to bring guys that or bringing stuff pretty knowledgeable or we can have kind of an in-depth conversation. And I think, I think you got that um, from Kentucky's offensive coordinator in more yeah. ways than one. I think you yeah. got him and I don't think he's had many interviews like that. Maybe one yet since he's, so I think you're going to learn a lot from that. And there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. What do you, I, I'm, I can't, I'm excited to just to hear from uh, Stoops too. We ain't heard from him yet. We, we, we've got that announced. we got the early enrollees announced. We'll end up hearing from all of them before spring practice starts. I, I'm just yeah. – I'm curious. Uh, well, you like – Nina Mike Stoops. Are you talking about Mar- – here from Mark Stoops or Mike, Mike Stoops? Mike, or both? Mike, 
Oh, well, hell yeah, yeah. Well, and I also would really prefer to have some sort of gimmicky brothers thing too. Like, I need Mark to bust in uh, and bust it, his balls, or you know, or introduce just, him and tell some family joke. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like we need we. Uh, like, come on, if we're ever going to be doing this whole song and dance, let's ham it up at least once in the beginning and get it over right. with, or else we are, the media, if there's nothing, if there's one thing, we are persistent, and by God, we are going to just keep prodding until we get a story, damn it. Yeah, that should be coming soon. I'm surprised it's taken this long, That's I guess. scheduled for this week. Yeah, I mean, they're all, rec- I mean, he was down in South Florida right. recruiting, so. And making I'm, some I'm, high, sc- you know, high school visits, glad-handed yeah. on the road. Yeah, so I'm sure that's a big reason why, but, um. Well, let's get out of here. Um, hopefully, you all are enjoying this after a Kentucky basketball win, or maybe before a Kentucky basketball win. It's going to be snowy, so stay safe out there, Kentucky. And uh, once again, thank you so much for – man, I almost bit my tongue. I've done that twice today where I've, like, almost bit my tongue. I never do that. It's off season for all of us, I guess. <laughs> for Nick Roush – or uh, for Adam Luckett, God, I can't end the damn podcast. <laughs> Just, you're just all over the place today, oh, bro. I'm, I'm just antsy. Got to get to it. Uh, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. This has been Alive in Personnel. Go Cats and go Kroger. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.